Hello, and welcome back to book two of the Gazor podcast, What Ellie Saw. If you remember, at the end of our last episode, Doug and Ellie and the gang had just left the school. They had been cleaning up the mess that Jojo had caused when they were met by Mr. Yeloman. His words of advice to them were, You must get to them all, there's the scene. But what did that really mean? Ellie and Doug were both suspicious, but they ventured out to the mall anyway. After all, they did have to return their creatures, I mean, toys. Still, when they turned into the mall parking lot, they were met with much more than they had ever expected. It's time we get into the last section of what Ellie saw. But before we get to it, let me say again that if you haven't listened to any of the previous episodes, it would be good for you to go back. You will be lost if you don't. And let me remind you to please spread the word about this podcast. That's the best way to get it out there. All that being said, let's finish up with book two of What Ellie Saw. But back to the story. We drove toward the mall and passed the green mini-type van. The driver, it seemed, just wasn't quite human. But he did seem to have him a plan. For off he drove and passed quickly by us, a cell phone device in his ear. He swerved and he swayed, but continued on safely, for nobody else would come near. Doug named this driver, he called him Three, and I suppose that was quite right. But after hearing what Mr. Yeloman had said, Three now gave me quite a fright. Why were there so many threes in this story? First there was the preschool dorm, then Yeloman warned of the number, and this creature, that wasn't the norm. Maybe it was a warning of some kind, or something that we had to do. Or maybe it was just nothing at all. A number that just followed to... Uh, come on now, we all know it wasn't nothing. It was too much of a thing to be nothing. What that thing was didn't make sense, however. And right then, the thing that made sense to me was going back to the mall. I didn't know, and it just didn't matter, at least not right then at the time. Do you think we should follow? I asked Doug sincerely, and he said no. That was quite fine. Okay, I then whispered, my voice full of fear, but what if there are more of them? We'll track them all down, every last one, and then we'll put them in a pen. A pen? I replied, and I was quite shocked. How could my Doug be so cruel? But then he said something that frightened a bit. It'll be better than having them rule. Better than having them rule? I stopped and stared out the window when he said that. Did he really think that something like that might happen? Did he think that there were more of them? And that they might... Of course there were more of them. Just think of the line at the mall when I was there. What about those who came before me? There had to be more. And what might have gone wrong with all of them? Still, were there enough to... Dare I say it, take over? I was confused at this bit of a tussle between me and my newly found friend. But everything suddenly vanished away when the mall came just round the bend. We turned into the mall with wide, frightened eyes, and I was sure stunned then to see a fire truck, police car, and coast guard there too. Now there's something you'll never see. A semi-truck painted a nice shade of white with Coast Guard emblazoned on it was parked right in front of the food court entrance, and there it continued to sit. 
Remember the Coast Guard man when we came here before to get Jojo? I had a feeling that he wasn't really here just recruiting. This was something more. Way more. If he even was from the Coast Guard. Doug grabbed my knee. It felt nice, but then I looked at him and realized that he wasn't trying to be nice to me. His face had gone white. Remember the colors of fright? And he looked like he had just seen a ghost. The music in his head had to be pounding out those three notes that accompany every suspenseful plot twist. Da-da-da! I finally looked back at what Doug had seen. The creatures, they were everywhere. And suddenly everything that had happened before this evaporated into thin air. What in the world caused these creatures to be here? And where did they come from? I asked. But as Doug spoke on, I stared a bit frightened. We now had us a brand new task. Saving Jojo. Saving Chicolito. Saving us. Saving all of us. 4. Doug and Ellie, a duet. Doug. Before the green minivan, the pen, once again, the tour bus, Jordo and Ma, and Sloopy, there was this. I was glad that the mess at the school was over. It was a strange mess, but a mess nonetheless, and a costly mess. The playground had been ruined, the water fountain had been ripped down, a window had been broken, and to make matters worse, kids had been frightened, incredibly frightened. Now we were able to make the down swing a little less dangerous to anyone who might happen upon it, and we were working on cleaning up some of the glass from the broken windows when the owner of the school came over. Gone was the orchestra in my head. It had been replaced by a soft humming that was beginning to solidify into a headache. The man's name was Jim Yellowman. Not yellow like the color, but yellow like yellow there. Odd name, but a very nice guy. He sure smiled a lot for a man whose building had just been ruined, but it was as if he knew something we didn't know. The biggest indicator that was the case was when he did that air quotes thing with his fingers when he said the word got. I didn't know what that meant back then, but later on, later on I would know a whole manner of peculiar things that would start to make sense. Sort of. As we rode in the car, me and Ellie in front, and Bastion and Jeremy back, I smiled at her, and she smiled at me, and it wasn't a smile that lacked. I appreciate this, Doug. You know that I do. Jeremy wants to get all of this fixed. He loved that creature when it was alive, and now that idea has been nixed. I think nothing of it. We were going that way. You should see what it did to our house. There was stuffing and glass all over the floor. And it wasn't caused by a big mouse. Ellie laughed at me then. She played with her hair. Then she smiled in my general direction. I just wanted Jeremy to have a new friend. But Jojo instead gave protection. Protection? Is that it? Was that his big thing? Is that why he made such a scene? Sure. Jeremy wanted all the kids to come see him. But Jojo didn't want to be seen. I nodded my head. I understood now. Protection. Jojo offered protection, but why? Because Jeremy was an introvert? And Jojo understood all that somehow? Maybe. But these were toys, I kept telling myself. They shouldn't have these kinds of emotions. Still, if protection was Jojo's thing, then what about 
Chikalita, what was his thing? He was a nice enough creature, that's for sure. He just had a wild side that couldn't be beat. I guess maybe that was his thing. Terrific. I had the wild child. I suppose that they each had some sort of special trait that made them different from the others. It was finding that trait in each one that would be the biggest test. What was I talking about, each one? Just how many, and how would we know which was which? And if there were more, would their owners return them and bring them all back for a switch? I was suspecting that if there were two, then there could be five, maybe six. And six I could handle, if I only knew just how to make the actual fix. Do you think they'll come back? Ellie quietly asked me. I hope so, I finally said. If not, then they're all still wandering out there. We'd probably wish we were dead. Oh, I was just thinking in extremes then, saying that we wish we were dead, but from what I had seen so far in Jojo and Chicolito, <laughs> could you blame me? The strangest thing happened to happen right then as we got real close to the mall. We passed a green minivan with a short little driver, but the driver wasn't human at all. Another creature was driving. We'll just call it three. There was a cell phone device on his ear. It was talking to someone that we couldn't see, but hopefully one he could hear. Then he started swerving through all of the lanes and to the left and to the right. He started toward center, which really surprised me, then sped off right into the night. Did you see that? Sebastian asked with a frown as he turned in his seat behind me. It was putting on makeup and brushing his hair. How in the world could it see? There were so many wrong things going on there. Driving while using the phone, driving while putting on makeup, driving while brushing its hair. I was thinking that maybe we should turn around and try to catch it, but... Do you think we should follow? Ellie asked softly. No, I replied with a frown. Hopefully the cops will see it and stop it, and it won't be running around. Okay, she whispered, her voice full of fear. But what if there were more of them? Well... Track them all down, every last one, and then we'll put them in a pen. A pen? Ellie questioned, a little bit frightened. Don't you think that's kind of cruel? It probably is. I have to agree, but it's better than having them rule. What makes you think that they would take over? Ellie then asked right away. I doubt that something like that would sure happen. It just seemed like something to say. Well, that sure was mean. Ellie lashed out at me, and I wanted to make some replies. But right then I happened to turn into the mall, and I couldn't believe my two eyes. Before we get to that, let me clarify something. I know it may have sounded mean to say that they should be in a pen, but these creatures, even if they are offering protection, or speaking multiple languages, or occasionally being kind, had the potential to cause some serious damage. And if we could shut them all down, where would we keep them? A closet? A jail? A pen? It all became a moot point for the moment because right then I turned into the mall where I couldn't believe my two eyes. There were fire and rescue, police, coast guard too, and a helicopter circled above. I slowed to a crawl and stared in front of me. I sure knew what there was most of. The creatures were everywhere that they could be. At first glance, there seemed to be nine. The parents and children were all freaking out, and none of them seemed to be fine. Where did they come from? 
Ellie asked me as if she somehow just didn't get it. I'm guessing that they had the same troubles as us and came back to throw the same fit. Ellie just stared at the cram parking lot and watched as the creatures all ran. They're headed right into the mall, Doug. Let's go. We have to go lend them a hand. I nodded quite slowly and then I eased up. My car it was now really crawling. Look over there, I pointed at two creatures who seemed quite appalling. Actually, they were all appalling in their own little ways, but these two, these two started off the whole afternoon by demonstrating just how far these little ones would go. A large tour bus had come into the lot from somewhere up north, it had seemed, for it had been smattered with thousands of bugs, and a creature licked it like ice cream. That's disgusting, Ellie choked. I thought she was sick as the creature climbed up the windshield. A long, sloppy tongue took the bugs off the glass. It refused to slow down or to yield. I glanced at her name tag. Ma, this one read. And then, really slowly behind her, another creature arrived. She was almost as big. And this one was Jordo, for sure. They licked and they licked till the bus was all clean, then sprinted off quick toward the mall. We wanted to catch them, but couldn't. You see, we were so sick, we thought we would fall. We stared at the bus for a very long time after Jordo and Ma had both gone. Then Bastion broke up our deep concentration with excited words all of his own. If that's their behavior outside of the mall, what do you think it's inside? We stared at each other, Ellie and I, and I thought that she just might have cried. Doug, oh my goodness. She started to run. She was quickly steps in front of me. Hang on, Ellie, Ellie, hang on. That sounds like a song named Sloopy. It was just about as revolting as anything I could think of. Those two creatures licking the bugs off the bus as if it were a large ice cream cone. That image sticks in my head more than any other. And believe me, there were plenty of others. Five. Ellie. Before there was the camera, Vern again, and Skates. There was this. I noticed the disgusting, bug-licking creatures, and disgusting is the only way to describe them. Jordo had long, wavy hair and seemed to be a bit more excited about the bugs than her mother. But that wasn't what had made me look twice. Forget it was bugs they were licking, off to our right with a camera on his neck. That strange man was clicking. There he was again. This was the third time I had seen him in the course of a few short hours. That man, that... Was his name Vern, or was it something else? He looked like the man with the strollers, but his clothes were different again than before. This man, for shoes he had rollers. Skates, I mean, he wore roller skates, but he stood there and snapped all those pictures. At first I didn't know what he was doing, except he was shooting the creatures. He pointed that thing in every direction, but mostly away from our faces. It was the creatures he worried about, them in all of their places. I tried to get Doug to get his attention, but he wasn't looking at me. He was quite fixed on the bug-licking creatures. Why that was, I just couldn't see. We stared at them, silent for a very long time, Doug on my left, me beside. If that's their behavior outside of the mall, what do you think it's inside? Sebastian had spoken some very strong words, and I almost broke into tears. 
Instead, I said something I cannot remember, and soon Doug was left in the rear. Do you ever have a moment where you don't think and you just react? That was that kind of moment. There's no regard for your safety or what the outcome may be. It's just go, 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 and worry about the results later. Apparently, I said, Doug, oh my goodness, but I don't really remember any of that. I took off running toward the mall, leaving both Sebastian and Doug behind. What I was planning on doing inside there by myself, <laughs> I didn't have a clue. 6. Doug Before we stepped into the mall and the chaos that lay ahead, there was this. I was caught off guard by Ellie's taking off and running toward the mall. What was she doing, running right toward obvious danger? We didn't know what was going on out here, let alone inside the mall. I watched in horror as Jordo and her mom seemed to take Ellie running past as cue to follow, and I only partially heard Sebastian ask, If that's their behavior outside of the mall, what do you think it's inside? I have to admit I was frozen in place for a brief moment by all of the chaos and the uncertainty, but then I managed to shake it off and took off running after them. Hey! was all I think I managed to say, but I don't remember. I was concentrating on catching up. I managed some speed and we met at the doors. We quickly burst our way inside, and looking around, we saw Bastion was right. In no shape or form had he lied. The destruction was amazing. The people were crazy. They were running from the creatures full speed. But the creatures weren't paying a bit of attention to the people or even their needs. Instead, it looked like some funds what they wanted. The big, crazy, trouble-causing kind. Because no matter what section of the mall you were in, it was trouble that you would soon find. Well, that's it for what Ellie saw. What a mess, huh? Well, now that the creatures and their owners have all gone into the mall, let's get ready to answer Sebastian's question. If that's their behavior outside of the mall, what do you think it's inside? You'll have to come back and find out. The next book is entitled The Coast Guard Interviews, and it takes us into the mall where the chaos multiplies as well as the characters. Now, since this section here is a bit shorter, I've included some bonus material to start to introduce you to some of the characters that we'll encounter further on down the line. The first one is a song by the Island Gazor's favorite rock star, Rocco. And the second is the first part of an independent story entitled The Outlier. The Outlier will begin to shed some light on those sneaky verns and their dealings with the Island Gazor. I hope you enjoy them both. So I look forward to seeing you here again for the Coast Guard interviews. Our little podcast is gaining ground, so again, I'd like to ask your help in making it grow. We have listeners in seven countries, which is exciting, but there's still a lot of room to grow further. So if you're enjoying the podcast, please tell others by word of mouth or by your favorite social media platform. Either way, spreading the word is the best way to make it grow. I'm always grateful for your efforts, and I'm always grateful for any messages you might want to leave either on Spotify or on Anchor.fm, wherever you're listening to the podcast. It'd be great to hear how you're enjoying the story. So I'll see you here again next time. Stay safe and be kind to one another.
Are we are we ready? Is it is it on? Are you sure it's on? Is it on? Okay, here we go. Yo, it's Rocco. I heard there was a podcast all about the island Gazor, so I thought I'd join in. Can't have a podcast about Gazor without me, mate. What I'd be like listening to a song without without notes, you know? What's the point? Am I right? Of course I'm right. Anyway, I thought I'd sneak in some of my songs between episodes to keep you entertained. Here, this one here is one we like to sing at the beach on campfire nights with warm breezes, good friends, you know, the type of night. This one here is called Back to the Island. Give it a listen. I I hope you enjoy it. Say, 
It's gonna be another great island day You know I wanna go I wanna go back to the island, my friend, where the days are long, the nights never end, where we play through the day on the dream of the night, and sing pollen music by the firelight. I wanna go. You know I wanna go. Well, that's it. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed the tune, mate. I'll be bringing another one next time. Jamina, I love you, babe. The Outlier. One. Hey there. It's Jack. One-eyed Jack to most people. Some people call me a troublemaker, and some people say I'm a nuisance, and others who think they are better than me say I'm in the way, and they like to get rid of me. But to those who matter most, why, I'm simply papa, grandparent, and husband. Besides those names, the names I think I like the best are Pirate, because of my appearance, I'm a bit rough around the edges. My face is hardened from the sun and the wind, cause all the travel I do. And way back when, I lost my left eye in an accident. There are many tales for how that happened, but most of them I've invented, truth be told, because I like to fun with people and keep them guessing. What's life if you can't have fun, I always say. The real tale, however, well, that may never come to light. I may vanish in the wind with that tale. The other name I like to describe myself is Outlier because I'm different than all the rest, and Outlier is a more sophisticated adult moniker that makes adult people cringe. And that moniker, I happen to like that moniker because, after being Papa and Grandparent, Husband and Pirate, i.e., why it describes me the best. I happen to like making adult people cringe. I like to make them uncomfortable. Why, you ask? Well, because I always tell the truth. And sometimes, well, sometimes adults don't like to hear the truth. Sometimes the truth is inconvenient and it gets in the way. Sometimes the truth doesn't get us what we think we want. Still, sometimes what we think we want isn't what's best for us. You want an example, I know you do. Well, listen to one eye, Jack, and I'll enlighten you with some knowledge. You see, I saw this whole thing coming with the toys and those three sneaky brothers. Mark my words now, as soon as Betty Ray left the island and my ruby decided to follow, I knew trouble was on the way. Unlike my wife, who dove into teaching others to mask the pain of Ruby leaving, I had the freedom to get her where she wanted to go, and to get her there safely. 
You see, Ruby was the better half of the team of Ruby and Betty Ray. Both adventurous spirits, they was drawn to the seas and other lands, just like me. But Betty Ray met a man who was far more sinister than anyone could have ever imagined. We are simple island folk, after all, and Mo Chalmers. Mo Chalmers was from the mainland, a far different land than the island Gazor. When he arrived and started telling his tales of how he could make us all wealthy and how wealth could buy more happiness than we had with our simple fishing industry, I knew something was up. You see, my friends, whenever something sounds too good to be true, bet your last pair of socks that it is. My wife, God bless her, was a bit more of a pushover than I was. I suppose that's because she has a kind heart. I suppose that's because she tries to see the best in everyone. Me? I'm not built that way. It takes an awful lot to gain my trust. Mo Chalmers wasn't gaining my trust very quickly. Oh, he tried, let me tell you, after he came around and started telling of his big plans to turn our once modest toy store into a huge factory, after he came around telling us that we needed to upsize, his fancy word for grow, I started to sound the alarm. The only one who would listen to my alarm was my wife, who only listened with one ear, the other listening to what her friends were telling her. And Remy. Now Remy... He saw it same as me. And whether or not he planned on getting involved, when they threatened his daughter, (laughs) he got involved in a big way. You'd get involved too if they threatened your daughter. Now I'd like to read you a small little poem that I wrote. I'm not as uh, prolific as Doug and Ellie or the others in the GOT, but it's not so bad if I say so myself. There once was a man whose name was Moe. Moe's nose, well, it started to grow. I'd heard of the tales of sadness and woe, sitting out in my small boat that I did row. And when I came back to the island, you see, there wasn't much that I could do. I talked to the council, I really did try, but all that they said was, Boo-hoo, go back to the sea, Jack, that's where you belong. And keeping my nose clean, I went. But Remy, he listened, and he heard me see... At that point, the smallest lament. At that point, no one else was listening. No one but me and Remy. Everyone else was set on how things were going to get better and how things were going to change. Let me tell you, it didn't take long before things started happening. Oh, things changed, all right. And the promises, the promises became lies. Fortunately for us, we had Remy. Fortunately for those at the mall on the mainland, they had another outlier, Doug. Now whether Doug was just in the right place at the right time, I'll never know, and maybe that's what it was. But he never shirked from his responsibility of shutting down those creatures and saving them all. In my opinion, he saved the day. Well, you listen to book three of this tale now, and you can judge for yourself. Jack out.